We're talking about living an overcoming life, living the life as a bride of Christ. As we've looked, started uh, this year off, seeing the king in 2015 um, really means that um, we want to see him in all areas of our life. And to do that, we need to be available. Now, Jesus is always moving. He's uh, about kingdom business. And I can tell you, if you want to find Jesus, there's, they always knew where to find him. You know, he was doing, he was about his father's business. And in fact, when he was young, when he first started out, when he was about 12 years old, his parents got all upset and all nervous, couldn't find him. And he, he was like, well, I'm about my, my father's business. I was in the temple, you know, so you should have known where to, where to find me. And so uh, just be about his business and you'll find Jesus. He'll show up. He'll be with you because he wants you to go and bring forth fruit and fruit that remains, fruit that lasts. When we go out of this place, we want to live a life that is attractive to the Lord, but it also attracts people to our lifestyle that they want what we have. In the difficult times of life, that they, they need peace. They need uh, the wisdom. They need uh, that support that we have as believers. And so you need to be more attractive. Let me just tell you something today. I'm looking at you and telling you, you need to be more attractive. <laughs> Why don't you open your Bibles? We're going to look in Colossians chapter 3, but I'm going to read a verse from Titus. So however you want to do it, if you want to trust me on the Titus deal, you can just turn to Colossians 3. But Paul spoke something to Titus that ought to really rock our soul and catch our attention so that we listen better to what he tells the Colossians. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul tells him, he says, he's talking about some people, and he says, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Wow. That is not what I want to hear the Lord say about me or any of you. You know, they claim to know God. You know, what do your coworkers say about you? Uh, or, you know, you might think of, think of some of your co-workers that, that they claim to be a Christian, they claim to know God, but boy, you know, at the company parties and stuff, you know, whoa, they are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good, just like Paul told Titus. Uh, that's not what we want to be. We need to be attractive. Our life needs to be, we need to have a lifestyle that is disciplined, that will be attracting the presence of God in our life. And when the, the presence of God is in our life, then there are people that are attracted to you. You know, they just, there's just something about you that they want. And so we've, we've been looking at this, and last week we talked a little bit about it, and um, basically there's um, five different steps through this living the Christian life, or not the Christian life, but the overcoming life, living an overcoming life, living the life as a bride. Uh, we talked about position last time. We're going to talk a little bit more about our position, who we are. So we don't have an identity crisis. We're going to talk about posture. You know, if you're the bride, you don't want to come in walking into your wedding like that. You know, when we have wedding rehearsals, they teach those girls how to walk in, you know, and they got to hold the flower just right and do the little whatever step it is that they step, the stutter step or whatever it is. And, and you know, when that music hits and that bride comes in, I mean, man, she's looking great, you know. And um, we'll talk about posture. We're going to talk about protection. We talk about uh, promise, the promises, 
that's given to us as li when we live this life, this life of an overcomer or living the life of a, as a bride, and then the practice of it, how we actually practice it every day, not just every once in a while. It's a lifestyle. It's not a, uh, just a once in a while thing. It's a lifestyle. So, you know, um, how do you do this? How do you, how do you practically, in, or in a practical way, how do you live such a life that the Lord is attracted to you, that the bridegroom can't take his mind off of you. Now think about that. We ought to always be thinking about the Lord. Our, the Bible talks about our mind is stayed on thee, you know. Or the psalmist talks about that our, our mind is stayed on thee, thinking about the Lord. Can you, do you think it's possible that as a believer you could live a lifestyle that the bridegroom, Christ, is thinking about you all the time? Like, wow, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that's worth attaining. Living an overcoming life, a life as the bride, um, you know, it's on, we're talking about doing this on a day-in and day-out basis, day-in, day-out, 24-7. It's something that becomes part of us. It's who we are. Is that possible? Is it even possible to live as an overcomer 24-7, day-in, day-out? It is possible. You know, I, I think there was a time in my life I thought, I'd hear, you know, somebody preach on this, and I think, well, you know, yeah, that's brother so-and-so. He's <laughs> like, I never make it. Man, I'll never be like him. And I'm trying, but, man, I'm messing up, you know. And the other thing is that um, there's a lie that the devil tries to bring us. That he tries to tell us that li if we live this type of lifestyle, it's a boring life. I can just tell you that living, when you're living an overcoming life, it's not boring. <laughs> it's because there's always something next. Around the next corner, there's always something. something. And, uh, but we are more than conquerors. And so when it's put to the test, and you will be tested in this. So if you're a wiener instead of a winner, then you might not want to try this because you will be tested. And faith is not faith unless it's tested. And an overcomer is not an overcomer until they overcome something. And the Bible says that we are more than conquerors, which means that when you've conquered one thing, get ready because another one's going to hit you. More than conquerors. This is one thing. Let me just throw this in here. Sorry. whether I mean, Cowboy fans, Texans fans, whatever. I'm just saying this about J.J. Watt, what I noticed about him. The first thing I ever noticed about that that young man, when I saw him play, when he first started playing for the Cow for the Cowboys, for the Texans, boy, that might be a prophecy. Five more years, maybe. I was going to add another comment to that, but not, they might win or something. But I better not say anything else or go anywhere else. But what I noticed was he would he would come off the line and he would overcome the opposition that was there, and he's heading towards the quarterback. Somebody else picks him up, and and tangles him up, and he overcomes that opposition. He might even be knocked down and get up and still reach out and get the quarterback, and at least by the shoestrings, and snag him. He's going to touch, he's going to get a hold of the quarterback somehow or another. He's going to make that play. He doesn't stop until he gets what, he's, what his goal is. We ought to understand that as an overcomer, we might get hit coming off the line. We might get hit in the backfield. We might get knocked down twice but we it ain't over yet it's not over till the whistle blows till the trumpet sounds it's not over and so we keep on and keep on 
And like the old Rocky movies, it's probably, I don't think they even show them anymore, but I learned from that. The simple thing from that is if you just get up one time, one more time, then you're knocked down, then you win. That's his whole thing about with winning over Apollo Creed. He just kept getting up. You know? And so we just have to do that. And some, there's seasons in our life that seem like that we're knocked down more than we're standing, but we just get to get back, back up and keep on getting up. And God has given us a promise of that, that he knows that. And he hates to see that, but yet he knows that he's put within us that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and it quickens. It makes alive our mortal bodies where we can make it. We can make it and we will make it. You know, and maybe you're saying, well, I tried that. <laughs> it just don't work. Seemed like the harder I tried, the harder I got knocked down. Well, that's the way it goes a lot of times, but we just got to keep on keeping on. Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses, we're going to look at really about 15 of those verses, but we're going to start with the first four. If we can make it through that, we'll be doing good. Colossians is a small book. Um, Colossians and Ephesians have a lot of similarities. Paul says it's just some of the same things, but a little bit different. But I like how he talks about this particular subject. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's some good stuff. That's rich stuff. That's, there's so much doctrine in those four verses that when we catch it and begin to apply it and live it out and understand it, it will change everything about us. As he starts out, he says, you know, uh, and, and this is a different lifestyle than what Paul was mentioning in, in Titus. There in Titus, he said, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are despicable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. But Paul's talking about, to Colossians, he didn't, he's talking about a different lifestyle. Uh, we, uh, you know, we talked last week quite a bit about position and, and who we are, and really, a lot of times, the reason why we back down from some things is we have an identity crisis. We really don't know who we are. And then we hear who we are, and we think that, okay, that that's who we are, but when the rubber meets the road, when it really gets tough, we wonder, well, maybe I'm not who I thought I was. But you are who God says you are. And you become who he says you will become. And so the process of becoming that is a struggle. There's a story, Sandy used to do this illustration with kids. It's a, a cecropia moth, I think is what it is. And it's in a cocoon. And the way that it breaks forth uh, out of that cocoon to become this beautiful moth is it has to struggle and press against that cocoon to break loose. And um, so a mom got one of these for a little experiment, homeschool mom, and was trying to teach kids this and was telling them all about it. Well, the little boy thought he could see it starting to bust open, but the moth was struggling, struggling, struggling. He felt compassion, so he just helped open that cocoon some, and so the moth was able to get out. 
The problem was that the, the moth never could fly because it hadn't developed its wings completely because it didn't have that pressure that it needed. And when it was really pressing against the obstacle, the, the barrier there, that pressing against the barrier is what caused all the circulation and the blood to go through those wings and made it strong enough to fly. Well, sometimes people, we're just going through a season. We're just trying to get our strength out into our extremities so that we are who God says that we are. And it's okay. You'll make it. You'll make it. You've already made it. It's already written down that we, the, we are the winners. So it's just that we got to get through it. And this, so here's some ways that we can get through it. You know, we were told, he says that, um, here he says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. So who are you? Well, we're raised, and we talked a little bit about that. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Does anybody remember what that means? And Because we, we got, got a little excited last week talking about it and might not have got down and focused on it a, a lot. But we've been raised. That means we've been made alive because Jesus was, he died, right? He died, and when he died, uh, he was buried, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose. He was raised. And the same thing has to happen with us is that we are raised with Christ. Now, there's a spiritual application to that, that when we catch it, then it ought to make us excited to realize that resurrection power lives in us. In him, we live and move and have our being. Um, so let's review this just a little bit. Look back at uh, Colossians chapter 2. Just go back a few verses up to ch uh, chapter 2, verse 20 and 23. Because he said, uh, he started there in, in verse, in, in chapter 3, he said, since you have been, uh, since then you have been raised with Christ, and he goes on. Well, let's go back a little bit and catch why he's saying that. In verse 20 of chapter 2 of Colossians, he says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules or its cravings? It says, if you died to this world and to his, you know, and, and, and the principles of this world, well, you died with Christ. Why, he says, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules or its, its influences or its cravings or its pressure or its limitations or whatever you want to say? You know, that it says, well, we're limited because of whatever. Well, yeah, Jesus should have been limited by gra gravity, but he walked on water anyway. Philip was uh, witnessing to a, the, uh, you know, he, he was witnessing to a guy, and when he got finished, the Spirit caught him up and took him over to another town. Well, that, you know, that's, that breaks the limitations. And so, really, we are not bound by these limitations. They're there. But if God wants us to do something that's beyond that, then we ought to believe that we don't have to, we died to those things. We really don't have to submit to them any longer because we set self-imposed limitations in our minds. Once we set those limitations in our minds, then we stay there. You've heard the story. I, I know I've told this story a couple of times about, about the goldfish or the, they had this, um, uh, I think it was a, a fire belly paku. There it is. Anybody know what that is? It's a fish. And they get to be a big fish. And so they um, would drop goldfish in there and that fire belly paku would just and eat that goldfish. Pretty cool. Oh, well, sorry. 
didn't know this was a PG-rated sermon, but anyway, so he just loved goldfish. He would just suck them in. So what they did was they put this little barrier between there, a piece of plexiglass, put it down in the aquarium, and uh, so the firebelly Paku was over here just doing his thing and dropped a goldfish over here on the side. He could see it out of the corner of his eye. He turned around, went over there, bam, smacked his nose against that clear barrier, and the goldfish is still just flipping around like after he had a heart attack. <laughs> and uh, so the firebelly Paku did that a couple times and thought, hmm, what's up? And so a couple days later, did the same thing, smacked. After about three or four times of doing that, the firebelly Paku, you could, they took out the barrier and you could throw goldfish in there and they'd swim all around. He wouldn't even touch them because he had already decided, he knew, he put the limitation and said, I can't eat goldfish because every time I go to get one, something hits me in the face. <laughs> something hits me in the face. It's the same thing like these the elephants. Another story goes along the same line that you've heard probably about the circus elephants that they... You know, when you see them come in, the great big elephants, they tie these ropes around their leg, and they'll just sit there and kind of roll back and forth, roll back and forth just with a little rope and a, and a stake about this deep in the ground. Well, that's, I can't hold an elephant. When they're babies, though, they take a, a big old long metal stake, and they drive it in the ground. They put a chain around that baby elephant. It's got these things that it turns in on its foot, and so when it pulls against it, it bites into its foot, and it, and it hurts. Every time it pulls, it bites into it, and it realizes it can't get past that stake. So when they grow up, they realize that when they feel just a little bit of tension, they stop, and they don't pull against it anymore, and uh, so they have this self-imposed limitation. But Something changed the equation. One day there was a fire in the circus tent. And it started over where the elephants were in the hay. And so the elephant was like seeing the fire, feeling the rope. Seeing the fire, feeling the rope. Now he's feeling the fire, feeling the rope. And the fire feels worse than the rope. And he pulls that stake up and takes off running to get away from the fire. The problem was they could never chain those elephants down again. No matter how deep and big the stake was, they could put chains around them, big, deep uh, stakes, and they never could chain them down again because that elephant broke that self-imposed limitation. People, we need to realize that the devil will bring things to us and we'll bust our head against it in our own natural strength and ability and we'll think we can't. But the Bible says that we can. And no matter how many times we hit against the barrier, we need to realize that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I died to these things. Like Paul says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though still, you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules and its cravings or its limitations? Shouldn't submit to sin any longer. We shouldn't uh, submit to sin because we've died to that. Why should we allow sin to tempt us? Shouldn't, shouldn't allow those certain cravings to tempt us because we've died to those things. Habits, hang-ups in your life. If you need to get rid of it, that habit or hang-up, you die to it and it doesn't affect you any longer. That's what we talked about last week. Remember that? You know, die into that and it doesn't bother you anymore. The same thing with certain limitations and you get rid of that. You get, it, get beyond that thing. And we know that the doctrine of substitution says that God said that we, the, the, the penalty of sin is death. For, but the, or said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a payment that is necessary for sin. And we can never pay it, but Jesus did. And Christ not only died for us, 
He substituted himself for us, and God recognizes that Jesus substituted himself for us, but we also died with him. And that's what, where we have the problem. People don't have a problem. They think, whoa, yeah, and just as I am, I come to the Lord, and it's through a crusade or a, you know, or a church or in, in uh, you know, Joe's Barbecue or wherever you're witnessing to somebody and they get saved, they, you know, they like that part about that Jesus died for us. And yeah, I like the doctrine of substitution. But there's also, right along with that, is the doctrine of identification in the sense that, wait a minute, if he died for me, then i got to realize that I died with him. When he died, I died. And if he died, I died. And if I died, then that sin has no more rule or reign over this mortal body. Why can't we get it? And that's what Paul is saying. If you died to sin and the principles of this world... Why do you still live in it? Because he tells them, because you've been raised with Christ. Now, he died. He paid the price. You identify with him that in his death. If you identify with him in his, in his death and you say, no, I'm, I'm dead to that thing anymore. I'm dead to that habit. I'm dead to that, that hang-up. I'm, I'm dead to that attitude that I used to have. I'm dead to that type of person that I used to be. That part, they're dead. They're no longer around. He's dead. Then you experience resurrection then you, then you can begin to walk in that position that you are raised with christ and you can identify with him there christ not only died for sin bearing its penalty but he died unto sin the bible says and dying unto sin breaks its power now think about that just for a second he died for sin which broke its penalty but the bible says not only did he die for sin he died unto sin which broke it's, uh, it's power that it has. Sin has no more power. Death has no more power over us. Do we have a hard time believing that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven, that you'd spend eternity with him? Does anybody have any problem with that? That you know that death uh, is only a temporary resting place for the soul and that we're going to spend eternity with the Lord? Does anybody have a problem with that? Well, then, if we believe that, why don't we also then believe that, that whatever other elements of this world, whether it's a habit or a hang-up or an attitude or a feeling, an affection or whatever, that we die to that too and we are separated. Death means separation. We separate ourselves from that and then I also, now I'm going to walk in resurrection power over that thing. Whew, somebody ought to say praise God. This might be a Gatorade service. Yeah, you need to get nervous. If you ever see me walking in with a five-gallon Gatorade thing, then you need to get nervous. <laughs> and here's the thing. There, here's the doctrine of the Bible says that we are in Christ. And he tells us that when, at, at salvation, when you are born again, when you are, your spirit becomes alive again, repowered, regenerated. Went to get to our, our suburban. We're having... Struggles with the Suburban, and so they've been working on it, and uh, still got some problems, but anyway, I uh, drove it home while I got ready to drive it again, and he goes, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> you know when you turn the key, and it goes, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I guess the battery hadn't been being used or something. We got ready to come to church this morning. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> and, and the battery's good. 
had it checked. Everything's good, but it just hadn't been used, I guess. So, but we overcame that. I got something, and I got me some 200 amps, and I jump-started that thing and said, you're coming alive. I repowered it. <laughs> See, we repower it. We overcome those things. And so we have been, we've, been over, we've been regenerated, repowered. We have a new life. Okay, and so when that happens, the Holy Spirit then takes us as a believer now, and he places us into the body of Christ, this universal body of Christ. And the Bible says that we are in Christ, a new creation. We're in him, in him. You know, a lot of good things about being in him. In him we live and move and have our being. I am in Christ, but Christ is in me too. That's what's cool. I'm in Christ, a new creation, but he's in me, making me a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And this was part of the revelation that the Apostle Paul had was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope or the expectation that one day you'll be glorified. 1 John, 3, or 1 John 1 and, and verse 3 says, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't even know what, we're gonna, what our glorified body is going to be like. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, as he is in all of his glory. We're going to see him as he is. We ought to see him every day and see it, get a, a, better, a, a deeper glimpse of him every day, applying him in our life and becoming more like him every day, identifying with him. In Romans chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? We're dead to sin. If you've been having a problem, if you're having a struggle in an area of your life, then just say, you've got to tell yourself, self... <laughs> In your mind, in your will, in your soul, your, your, your emotions, say, self, you are dead to that thing. You're dead to it. You're dead to the cravings. You're dead to that reaction. You're, you're dead to the feelings. You are dead to that thing. And you tell yourself that. And it might be trying to get up, <laughs> you know, and, but you got to nail it back to the cross and say, no, I died. That, that part of me is dead. And that's why Paul says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? So God, he has uh, declared by the virtue of justification, he declares the believing sinner to be righteous. Look around at us today. We ain't there yet. <laughs> There's nobody in this room that is there yet. But aren't you glad that when God looks down, he looks through Christ. And as he looks through, the, through Christ, he sees every one of us as fully mature sons, just like his son Jesus. And so we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you better be glad you are in Christ Jesus. Now, I think there's some times through our fellowship with him... You know, that when we, we start to do our own thing, now I'm in my, and, and the old Pentecost used to say, they're in the flesh. How many of y'all ever heard that saying? Oh, they're in the flesh. When I was a little kid, I heard them say something about, well, so, sister so-and-so, she's in the flesh. And I thought, well, I hope so. If she come out here and all them bones and stuff, I'm going to be scared. <laughs> Make me nervous, you know. Uh, I hope them people are in the flesh, you know. We jump around. They, I was scared, you know. They taught, my sisters would always scare me anyway because I was the littlest one, and they called me the Holy Ghost. 
you know, I'm nervous, man. You know, I, that's why I want to light Christian Center. I want to light to see all those, <laughs> not blow out the dark. I don't want none of them <laughs> booger men hanging around no place, you know. But, uh, you know, they say you're in the flesh. Well, what does that mean? That means you're, you're in the flesh. You're in yourself, in your carnal self, in your old, your old nature, who you used to be. You died to that, but yet you're back over there in that. What a mess. You back into that, into your old nature, into your old flesh. And he says, why have you died to sin? Why do you try to live in it any longer? That's why we need to be in Christ. And we need to get back over in Christ. Walk in Him. In Him we live. We move. We have our being in Him. That everything that I do ought to be motivated for Him. Directions coming down from the kingdom of God. And when you're doing that, then you know that there's no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper. Ain't no devil in hell that can stop you. Hallelujah. You might be washed, but you can't be drowned. (laughs) Come on, flood. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to come out of this thing better. Somehow or another, I'm coming out of it better. We've got to have that. We've got to change our stinking thinking and say that I am raised with Christ. And so we have the biggest problem that we have living this overcoming life is we've got this identity crisis that we don't know who we are. We don't know that we've been raised with him. And if I've been raised with him, I'm not going to live in death any longer. Wow. So God declares that we are righteous. Now then, because he declares it, we need to make it practical. Thank God, you know, it's not all, he's done so much already. But then it's our response to that, our response to justification is sanctification. And that's the process whereby we become more and more like him. Every day we become more and more like him. Now the only other place that you see this, this phrase used about being raised with Christ is in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 where it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. Now, now did you get that? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but there ain't too many of anything that can break through that. If you're scared, run to daddy. Jump in daddy's chair, sit in daddy's lap, let daddy put his arms around you, and ain't nobody going to get you. Again, when I was real little, three, three or four years old, you know, and I had one sister that was, oh, she just, they're going to be down here at Easter. We might, that was DeCarla. She was next to her. She was four years older than me, so, I mean, you know, they, and she just loved to torment me, you know. And so, boy, if I ever got real nervous, I'd just run to daddy and jump in daddy's lap. Man, I could snuggle in. I knew when I, I felt his arm around me, ain't going to touch me now. I could look over his shoulder like her and not stick my tongue out of her like, yeah, you ain't getting me now. <laughs> not now. I'm in daddy's lap. I'll tell you, that's what he's saying here. He says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Talk about a secure position. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to lose your position or your job or whatever in Christ because we're in Christ. It's secure in him. 
and we're raised up with him and we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. Is, is the devil above the heavenly realms? No. Then what are we nervous about? Is anything higher than that? No. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, which gives a symbol of power and authority. No other power or authority in all of the universe is greater than that. And where are we? We are raised with him. That's where we are, at his right hand. Wow. We, when we get that, it ought to just make you so mad when the devil even just even thinks about anything, you ought to just turn around and just slap the fat off his face. Man, I mean, like, how dare you even address me? A child of the God, of God, a child of the King, the creator of all things. That's who I am. Listen to a little bit of Romans chapter 6. Paul goes into this, starting in verse 4, and he just kind of lines it out. I can't think of any better way to say it when he's talking about dying to our old nature, our old sinful nature, and being alive or, uh, with God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father... We too may live a new life. We too may live a new life. I was associate pastor at Beams of Light Tabernacle in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, first place uh, on staff, my first position on staff. And so we got this call, this young lady, her mom called and she was about to commit suicide. And so Sandy and I went over and she was probably about... Oh, she may be, maybe our age, I don't know, 21, 2, something like that, 23. But I had this down. Boy, I mean, I, Romans 6 was in me. It had changed me. And she was, I said, so, you know, we were talking to her and just, you know, and, and, all, just, and all of a sudden something came on me. <laughs> and I just, I thought, I mean, I, I needed to have sympathy and mercy for her. And she was, you know, uh, so depressed and so discouraged. And the devil was, you know, wanted her to take her life and I'm not saying this is the way that you counsel people suicide people but this is what happened and so I she said something said, and, and, and I just want to die and I said then go ahead and die die just die to it right now <laughs> she looked everybody, everybody been telling her not to <laughs> and here they call the church and here comes this young uh, associate pastor over there and telling her well then go ahead and do it I said, but here's how you do it. Let me help you. <laughs> now she's really getting nervous. <laughs> what kind of people are there? <laughs> them weird people down there. <laughs> you know, they're not going to help me not commit suicide. They're going to help me commit it. <laughs> I said, let me help you. And that's what I began to read. You died with Christ so that you can live a new life. You want a new life? Yeah, that's what she wanted because she hated her life. She hated all the stuff she'd messed up and she'd done this and she'd done that and she'd messed up her life and she messed up her family's life and she messed up everybody's life was all messed up because what she did. And I said, good, then let's just die to it right now. Let's just get that out of the way. So you, how about we'd like to have a new life? Well, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a new life? I mean, a fresh start, a new life, everything fresh. Well, that sounded good. And this is, this is what I read. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can live a new life. Don't let your past hold you back. You're better than that. You're dead to that stuff. If we have been united with him like this in his death, he says, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. And I might add, every day. I want resurrection power in my life every day. You know why? Because I have to die to something every day. I know y'all aren't like that. Y'all got it all taken care of. But, you know, Paul said, I die daily. Find something else, and that old nature, you know, it, it pops out. By the time you think you got the, the flower bed weeded out, there it comes. Where did that come from? Well, how did that get in there? You know, it comes up. And just about the time you think you got your life all straightened out with Jesus, and something pops up. Well, where did that come from? Well, you better root it out, get rid of it, and, and live a new life. And he says, uh, for we, there in verse 6, for we know that our old self, everybody say my old self, was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin can't we get it wow at least you're obedient i hope you understood that why can't we get that we don't have to be a slave to sin Oh, I've tried, but I just can't kick it. I've tried, but that's just the way I am. You know, my whole family, I come from a family of alcoholics, and, and I come from a family of depression, and I come from a this, and I come from a that. No, 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 no. You used to. But now, you're in a new family. Yeah, you're in a new family now. And that part's dead. Now you got a new life, and you got a new heritage. you got a new everything that works through you, and you don't have to live in that old life anymore. That's what he says, that you should, should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Then he says in verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, comma, we believe. You've got to believe it. We believe that we will also live with him. That's it. Come on. That's living this overcoming life. If you believe you died with him, then you're going to also need to believe that you can live with him. And when you just think that you can't, that you can't do it. And it's just, uh, you know, I, I've been through some rough things, but this is the roughest it's ever been. Did you die? Did you die? Then you die to that. Now you've got a new resurrected life, and that's resurrection power, and you've got a new start, and you've got new power, new energy right there, and this thing, it, hey, the old passed away. Everything's becoming new. i got new strength, new strength for this thing. Oh, I've never f faced anything like this in my life. So? So? The power you're about to use is greater than any power that you've ever used in your life before. Hallelujah. So it says, if we believe that we have been freed from sin, verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. There's no double jeopardy in this thing. He can't die again. If they execute somebody, they try them, and they, and they, this is the sentence, and they 
throw the, I guess they don't do that anymore, but if they shoot all the stuff through them and they, they die, but about 10, 15 minutes later they go, I guess they can shoot them, but if they keep living, what are you going to do? You know, they live, they made it. You're going to try them again? No, you can't try it. You already paid the price for it. I died. That's what I'd say. If it was me, I went, I'd go before the judge. No, you said I had to die. I died. Yeah, I died. They checked. The medical record said I died. I died. So I paid the price. Now, I'm living a new life now. <laughs> so that's no more me. This is the new me. And I don't owe you nothing. That's the way we tell the devil. No, I died to that. You ain't taking me down that road again. No, huh? You're not, we're not going there no more. I died to that. I already paid the price for that thing. I paid that price, and the devil comes up to you. He tries to say, well, you know, you, God would probably do more for you if when you were younger, you hadn't done this, and you hadn't done that, and you hadn't done this, you know, and that. God would probably love you more, and he'd probably bless you more. If you, just, are you serious? You're going to listen to that stuff? Just change the channel. <laughs> just tell him, I'm not listening to that no more. That's, yes, I paid the price for that, and then I died to it. The greatest penalty. I paid the death penalty. So now then, that's done. It's paid in full. And, and in 1 John, it tells me that he who says he has no sin lies and deceives himself. But it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So I've confessed my sins before the judge. He's given me a pardon. I am free. I'm alive. Woo! Yeah, I'm alive. Coming out of there. You know, I've seen these guys that have been in prison, falsely in prison, and they get released, and they're smiling. <laughs> I mean, they're happy because they're out, they're set free. People, we need to be set free. Living the overcoming life is freedom. I've never seen a sorry, sad bride. Boy, I tell you what, being the preacher, I'd leave. <laughs> and, boy, we ain't going there. And she come in stomping down that aisle, and her dad's even like, whoa, man, we ain't messing with this. It's like, what? No, she's happy. Everybody's usually happy most of the time. But we ought to be happy. Why? Because we've got something new. Because we have this new position. My position now is I'm raised, raised with Christ. I'm above this stuff. You know, it's already been paid for. I'm alive with him. I am in Christ. And I, in this position that I have, I'm seated at the right hand of God the Father. That not only am I set free, now I'm ruling and reigning. And if I'm ruling and reigning there, then I can rule and reign here. Did we get that? Did that just go... Or did you, did you catch that? A position of the right hand is of ruling and reigning with all authority. All authority is given to that person that sets to that position. And so that's where Christ is, and that's where we are. So while we are here as his representatives on the face of this earth, we rule and we reign. Say, you rule. <laughs> yeah, you rule. You look at yourself in the mirror and say, you rule. <laughs> yeah. You can say you rock, too, if you want to. <laughs> but no, you rule. And that means that today there's going to be something I'm going to have to rule over. It might be depression. It might be anger. It might be getting frustrated at somebody else. I got to take a step back 
and get adjusted and say, wait a minute, you rule here. You rule. You're the one that's in charge of your attitude. What you're about to say is nobody's fault but yours. Well, no, 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 no. They're about to make me say something I don't want to say. Oh, yeah. You mean you're that weak? You are that weak. You're not sitting at the right hand of God. You're sitting down there by them. If that person, they have more power over you than, than what you have over yourself. The only person that you can change, and the only thing you can change in your life is you. And that is responsibility. That's that principle of responsibility. I have the ability to choose my response that I'm about to give. And so if it's a devil, then you rebuke him. If it's a person, then you love him. <laughs> rebuke the devil out of them. <laughs> but... <laughs> The Bible did say you can lay hands on them, but that's only for prayer. None of other stuff now. But, uh, but he says, but we believe that we will also live with him. For we know, for we know, that we know, we know, we know, we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And so shall we. The life we live, we should live to God. No matter who's around or who's not around. The life we live ought to be lived for God. That's the overcoming life. That's it. Paul says in verse 11, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, which gives us that power and that authority. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Wait a minute. Who's sitting at the right hand of God? Jesus is, but we are too because we're in Christ, right? And we're supposed to be ruling and reigning, right? If we let sin reign in our mortal body, what happened? Who got off the throne? I want to tell you, it's a lot worse away from the throne than it is in the throne. Because, see, that separate, the wages of sin is, is death or separation. You're going to separate yourself. Even as a believer, if you step into sin, if you sin, you're going to separate yourself from, the, from God, from the blessings of God somewhere in your life. It's going to cost you something. You're separating yourself from that power and authority. You didn't rule and reign over that. It's going to cost you something. You pay a high price, I heard a guy say one time, you pay a high price for low living. I thought, boy, is that right? <laughs> That's right. So it costs you something. It costs you as a believer. It costs you something. You separate yourself from that position of, of overcoming, and it costs you something. Therefore, he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, do not offer the parts of your body to sin. When I was laying in CCU, when I came awake and alive, I got mad and I was trying, but I had this thing down my throat that couldn't, so I couldn't talk, but I was saying with everything I had in me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in, my, in the world. I saw this hand tied down and this hand tied down and I motioned to Charlie and I was asking him, you know, like, why are my hands tied down? He said, well, he didn't say it like this, but basically what it was was you acting a little weird in the, down in the emergency room. 
I tried to tell him there was some weird stuff going on down there in the emergency room. You know? But, uh, you know, I was pulling stuff, throwing stuff, hitting people and all kinds of stuff, weird stuff going on down there. They strapped me down. But so then I just began to offer the parts of my body to the Lord, to Christ. Lungs? <laughs> Obviously, you ain't working right because they got this thing down my throat. So you start working right. And everything else. Just start giving. If you're having problems with some part of your body, then you just give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. It's not yours to make a decision over anymore. Amen. Y'all fill in the blanks. He says, but rather offer yourselves to God and those who have been brought back from the dead or brought from death to life, he says, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So, you know, not only that, but we've been given, we've been given everything through Him. We are, we are raised with Him. We're in this position with Him as heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's our position. That's our position. We're seated in the heavenlies, yeah, and we're walking among turkeys. You know, as one person said, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you live around turkeys. Well, you know, just have to keep remembering that you're an eagle, even though you have to walk through some turkeys right now, or, or live with some turkeys right now. Just don't forget that you're not a turkey, you know. <laughs> you're an eagle. You've got that high spirit, amen? You're flying high. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, or, or uh, talking about that the spiritual position that we're in, that we are overcomers. Don't live in, in, in that any longer. Don't offer that, that part of your body to sin any longer. Now you've been given this position at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't just put you there as a, as a symbol. He empowers us. I've been raised, but I also have a, a position now uh, that I am empowered. And look at, uh, let's see, Colossians chapter 2. Go back up. We're going reverse. We started in th three. We went to two. Now we're going to go higher up into two. Verse nine in chapter two. For in Christ, now are we in Christ? Do we have a problem when we move away to our own way? When we get in the flesh? Yeah. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. When you're in him, that's why Paul said, in him, we live and move. We have our being because that's where all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in that position. That position right there, you know, it's like uh, these Marvel comics and stuff, you know, and they got Thor and he's got that hammer and nobody can pick up the hammer. Nobody can get the hammer, but he walks over there, he picks it up, flips it around, catches it. You know, throws it around, knocks out some bad guys, comes back, catches it. You know, why? Because he's got fullness. He's got, see, he has a right for that thing. Let me tell you something. We got the word. Talk about the hammer. <laughs> Man, I mean, we, we've got it right here. And we have access to it to pick it up and to use the word of God. Fullness has been given to us. Now, here's what you got to catch. That's our position. But you also have some protection. See, you're not just thrown out there with nothing. Now, we know you, we automatically think of the armor of God. You know, put on the full armor of God. And, and we do have that as protection, but we've got something better. <laughs> we've got something better than armor. You can get the best bulletproof vests, camo, 
the helmets, the goggles, the night vision stuff, all that stuff. You can get all that, and you can kind of still kind of see them moving, but we got a cloaking device. We become invisible. That they don't even see us. Did you know that the, you can get to that point where the, you can just walk up and the devil doesn't even see you? You can just reach out and smack him back there and like he wonder who, who hit me? Who hit me? I'm, listen to this. Go back to uh, chapter 3 of Colossians. Talk about transformers. I need to teach children's church, I guess. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. It's just like, wow, this is super cool. I mean, I am hidden with Christ. I mean, he covers me. It doesn't matter if I got a bulletproof vest on. I need to have on the full armor of God, but I also then realize that, you know, sometimes you can have on the full armor of God, but what we made the mistake of calling it our armor, or I put my armor on, but I still got knocked around, that's because you put your armor on instead of putting on the armor of God. And in the armor of God comes something of where it's like, yeah, it's like stepping into one of them big transformer things and it <laughs> covers you up. And it's like, now then, who's going to mess with? It's like, not only do they not want to mess with Jesus, Who's going to mess with God? Now, you know, who's going to mess with God? And you're like, you're like saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm serious. I don't know how to illustrate it. I know this is really stupid talking to adults. But, you know, and I hate to admit that I saw Iron Man, and I kind of like Iron Man. But, you know, they get in the, he was fighting this dude, and he was a little tiny dude, but he's in this big suit, and he'd reach out his arm, and that big arm would come out there, and reach, you know, and smack stuff around. It's like, wow, we're, I'm in Christ and Christ is in God, and I'm secure already in Christ, and if I'm secure in Christ and nobody can touch me in Him, and then God puts His arm, His hand around me, who's going to mess with me? Who is going to mess with me? When we realize that, you walk up to giants, and you say, today I'm going to feed your head to the birds. With a, what you got, a slingshot? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all you can see. That's all you can see is that slingshot. Yeah, I brought that out here as a, as a distraction. But what I really have is I am hidden in him, the creator. Everybody else in the army was calling it Saul's army, Saul's army, Saul's army. They were in the flesh. They were trying to do it through Saul's army. But he come out here, he said, I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He came out in the name of the Lord. Man, we are hidden in him. You talk about some protection. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? The old hymn said, leaning on the everlasting arms. You inside him, Jesus has got you in his hand, and then God puts his hand over that and seals it and says, now then, who's going to mess with this? When the devil comes and even tries to tell you, oh, if you were really saved, you wouldn't even have that kind of attitude. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. Well, but the Bible says, no man can pluck me out of his hand. Oh, but I, I, might, I could probably take myself out. You something else. <laughs> you, you, you're bigger than Jesus and God, huh? No, he made a covenant. And he made a covenant. And God said, I accept the death of my son for you. Now then, I'm making the covenant back. I'm... I'll secure you in here. The Holy Spirit seals us unto the day of redemption. Jesus puts us in, in his hand, and then God takes his hand and puts it over that and covers us up. That's our protection. Man, I want to close with this. 
Turn to the 91st Psalm. And this word hidden, when the Jews would teach this and they would say it in, in the New Testament, it would come out in the Greek, but the Greek wouldn't have the same meanings as what the Hebrew really meant. And it, the word hidden is, is the, it, it's the word katar, C-A-T-A-R. It means to conceal, to hide, to shelter, to cover, to separate, to conceal, hide, shelter, cover. Psalm 91, he who dwells, he who takes up residence in the shelter, in the covering, in the protection of, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. And that means recover strength. Doesn't mean just sit back and just kick back and do what you want to do. No, it says that you will recover strength. See, when you're getting hit hard, and you feel like you've done everything that you can do, and you've gone as far as you can go, and you've fought as many times as you've been, you, you could fight, and I've been knocked down three times, I thought I was out. Doesn't that count? I'm out. Can I go into heaven now? No, because you've got to learn one more thing. Now then, when you've gone as far as you can go, and you've fought as hard as you can fight, you need to realize that you are, if you dwell in him, you take up your residence in him, he is a shelter where you can renew your strength. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow, in the influence, be so close to the Almighty, the Supreme of the universe, in the shadow of the Almighty, who's standing there saying, nobody touches my child. When your baby's sick, you watch over them as a guardian angel not let anything happen in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, Yahweh, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust, in whom I trust. And people, to live this overcoming life, I'd like to tell you that you'd never be knocked down because you can get knocked down hard-pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, but not abandoned. You know, you, there, Paul was talking about, he knew this thing from inside out. It might hit hard, but the thing is, is that we can recover our strength, we can renew our strength in the shadow, the shelter place of the Almighty. Wow. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart, like a high wall that protects and is always watching and guarding. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with, with your eye uh, and, and see, the, see the punishment of the wicked. If you, if you make the Most High your dwelling that place of residence, when you know that you are in Him, you are raised in Him, that you have been raised 
from all of this and seated at his right hand and you take up residence there that's where you dwell that's where you habitate that's where you take all of your refuge and your strength because we want to back out over here and we want to try to fix it ourselves. we want to try harder maybe i need to pray harder maybe and i'm not saying anything about not praying or praying or, but i'm just saying we want to try a bunch of stuff we if we think we just do this and if we'll just do that and we'll just do sometimes we just gotta get in him and get strengthened again and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I am not giving up. I am an overcomer. And so while I am recuperating, I'm under the shelter of the Almighty. Under his shadow is where I'm hanging out and I'm getting better. We got to stop on this because I don't think I could get two words more. I'd be preaching all day long on Psalm 91. But I want to pray this morning. I wish we didn't have to go through hard times. But just as the Cecropia moth has to expand and exert and put that pressure and break free from that cocoon, we're just busting out with new wings and a new life. We are transformed from our self, our old self, of, of even, you know, we, we know we're in him, but we still, we got default system there. And it's, it's a constant thing. Our default system is our old nature. And we always, we fall back into that and we try to do it. And, and God's not mad at us for doing that. He feels sorry that we're doing it. He's trying to, trying to tell us, come on, come on. I got something better. You know, he doesn't like to see us brokenhearted. It breaks his heart. And, I mean, we wouldn't have the Psalm 91 if it wasn't somebody that had gotten wounded and that they were renewing their strength in him. The shepherd takes on, David said, hey, I took on a lion and a bear. I can take on this giant. He's like, hey, he had nothing. You ought to sleep outside with the sheep for a while. Lions and bears coming around, you know. Yeah, they, Satan walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. People, we got to learn, we got to be smart. We've got to work smarter than harder. <laughs> I learned that the older I get, I realize I've got to be smarter. I've got, got to work smarter than harder. And really, in, in our life in Christ, we've just got to work smarter. Because I used to think it was in doing this and in doing that. And, man, I'd be the first one to run out there and slap some devils around. And they'd slap me back, and that's fine. But we, we, we're on now. It's on now. It's on now. You know, I got on God's armor, and, and we can do that. But you know what? There's a, time, there's a time when he says, come on back here now. Come on. Come here. Come here. You just need to, you don't realize you're wounded, not realize that you're hurt. Come on. Let me just wrap my wings around you and comfort you, renew your strength. You're going to make it. You're going to come out of this thing stronger than you've ever been. Just trust me. Trust me.